1: Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on North Shore 104.9, where uh, North Peabody, North Beverly is, well, everything's snowing, I guess. There's a little bit of snow everywhere up on the North Shore. Is that is that true, Biff?
2: That is accurate. We're having a little bit of snow, but it looks like it's starting to gradually change to rain.
1: So if you play it out just correctly by the time you leave the station, you'll... Uh, not have to clean off your car, or is that the plan?
2: I think if we, yeah, based on what I'm seeing now, yeah, that the Mother Nature will probably take care of that for me and I won't have to do oh, that. that.
1: Well, so that's uh, nice. Well, that's, you know, we're, we're, you know, and I've said this before, February is always the snowiest month, and since we're we're right at the end of it now, one more day, and uh, hopefully weather will be changed by then and people start to think more towards spring and less about snow shovels and snow brushes.
2: I'm with you there, there, John, 100%. I'm with you. I mean, March, March is always tough to get through. But, you know, we're at a point now where you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, a couple touch, of touch. a couple of big med benchmarks. Sun, the sun is setting after 530. That's big. Right. Uh, gets The sun gets up earlier. So as the days get longer, it's tough for Mother Nature to hurt us with snow because there's just too much sun. It's too, the sun's too high in the sky.
1: And St. Patrick's Day is coming up. And there you, years, so. there, yeah, you exactly. there you go. there you go. Exactly. Hey, have, you know, you may have seen it somewhere and you may have read about it or maybe you're even old enough to remember it. But GM had something called the Future Liner. And the Future Liner was, you know, think, think how people got information before the internet. In a lot of cases, the information was brought to them. Uh, for people who are old enough to remember, their town may have posted Newspaper headlines in the in the window of the local newspaper that was going to be in print the next day or next morning or next evening. Uh, so people sometimes would actually walk by the office of the newspaper, drive by the newspaper to read the headlines for the next day. That's sort of what people did before there was the Internet and learned about a lot of things. And GM had something called the future liner. In fact, they had quite a few future liners. And with us on the phone is Natalie Harrington. Natalie Harrington, a member of the New England Motor Press Association, uh, works with the Museum of Transportation in Brookline, and now is a auto writer for GMTrucks.com, the Merver Brothers publication, and which, is, uh, which just recently had their 20th anniversary, uh, which is pretty amazing for a guy who also had his 40th birthday this year this week so uh good for uh zane merver as well natalie good morning and welcome to the car Doctor program good
3: morning don thanks so much for having me
1: thanks so much for having me yeah well tell us a little bit about you before we start to talk about the future liner but yeah how did you get involved in the kind of automotive trade and writing about cars and in and loving everything everything with wheels on it
3: Sure. So my dad was always my a big, car guy, a big car guy, and I think that's really where I really credit where this I interest credit the most. Interest. Um, he always loved he always hot rods and hot rods, classic, American classic American cars, but I always found that I enjoyed cars more and liked them more when I knew a little bit about them. Anytime that, Any that, that I had a little bit more context, I just really got so much more interested in that particular model. So. For me, it's the stories of how cars fit into our lives that really makes them so appealing. And um, I got involved with the museum volunteering, it must be 10 years ago now, and just found such a great home there as the type of enthusiast that I am someone who loves the history and the stories. And I've since started writing for the museum's publication um joined the board and and um really been loving being a car gal in new england
1: new england yeah it it really is true though that every car has its own story, it seems like, and it was um this morning, early on this morning, I did a little something with Paul Zangari uh, of drive through radio down in Rhode Island and he had a segment about Corvairs, and, and I had a Corvair once, and but the idea of, you know, the car and the history, and even the history when it relates to one person can be pretty interesting, you know, how somebody acquired the car, what they did with it, what part of their lives changed with the car, or maybe how their lives grew owning their car, uh, is always a pretty fascinating story when you get to talk to people.
3: Absolutely, it's, it's so interesting to me how cars represent so much in our lives. They can represent success or freedom, or they can be an heirloom that's passed down through a family. Um, so many different things. They're really such an intersection of past, present, and future. So much to love. So
1: much to love. They really are. Well, you wrote a story for GMTrucks.com uh, about the future liner and. You know, people who may have never even heard of the future liner may have seen it um, on that uh, TV restoration show, Bitch and Rides. They did. They did one of the future liners over. Um, tell us. Tell us about the future liner and what it was meant to be.
3: Sure. So, the future liner was purpose built. There were twelve in total, and they were built for General Motors Parade of Progress. So, in 1936, um, Boss Kett, GM research director at the time, noticed how much everyone was really loving GM's science and technology display at the Chicago World Fair and thought, let's take the show on the road. So they started with eight streamliners. That was the predecessor. But very quickly replaced them with the 12 future liners, which were really the anchor vehicles of the parade. So they're built to host these shows demonstrating science and technology from General Motors, of course. Each one has a stage on both sides. The sides fold open to provide a marquee showing what that that, um, exhibit is. They have a light tower that comes out of the roof, and um, they're really just so arresting. When you see one, you can't help but notice it. They're 11 feet tall. They're um, art deco designed by Harley Earl, and just still so inherently cool to this day really a treat to get to research them and write about them
1: and like you said they're 11 and a half feet tall and they're like 35 feet long right they're big they're mm-hmm. formidable vehicles yeah that's right that's
3: great right. eight dr-
1: wheels yep and the driver sat sort of in the middle of the vehicle to drive it right
3: That's right. Yep, in this center cockpit and the steering wheel is in the center. Um, At first it was a glass bubble, but then they had to add sort of a canopy over it because it was just baking in there in the sun. (laughs)
1: Yeah, sometimes design and practicality don't always work that well together. And you mentioned that it has eight wheels. It has four wheels on the front.
3: That's right. That's right
1: yeah which then, which makes it really really interesting and and again just gives it that kind of funny stance but just um i have never seen one in person uh but uh, you know the pictures of it just make it look really amazing like you said the art deco style of it um looks like they should park one of these in front of you uh, know in front of an art deco hotel in miami or something
3: mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I've never seen one in person either, but there are videos online of them driving on the street, and it's really neat to see. Um, even next to you know, eighteen wheelers, which are of course commonplace these days, it just, it just stands out so much.
1: Yeah, and the um, and like you said, there was quite a few of these that were built. And um, do you know do you know where they reside? And are are there any that are kind of near us anywhere that somebody has tucked away have you been able to find any of that out
3: actually yes so the peter pan bus company out of springfield owns two they have one that they restored um and one that's sort of a donor vehicle for that one should it need anything um but it's really interesting that something so distinctive and so large could we could have lost track of some of them there's a bit of Mystery surrounding who has which one, and I think it's actually not totally known which numbers um, the Peter Pan Company has. I do know that number ten lived at the National Auto and Truck Museum in Auburn. They restored it, Auburn, Indiana. Mm-hmm. That tours occasionally, so kind of living out its original purpose. Um, I think it will actually be at the Oklahoma City Auto Show this year, coming up. But um, so there's a lot of debate around some of the other numbers and where where they landed. There's actually a Facebook group, GM Future Liner Fans, where people, I found this in my research, people get together and discuss, you know, oh, we think we spotted number three here based on these clues and this photo. Um, Really, it all kind of adds to the fascination surrounding the truck.
1: So so it's a little bit of a it's a, a bit of a mystery at the same time which makes it which makes it kind of fun and that must've been part of the fun part of doing the research for the story was you know figuring out that uh where they where they are where they kind of disappeared to and is there is there maybe even more than we know about is there you know are there you know is there still one tucked away then in the back of a salvage yard somewhere, because somebody in 1950 said, what are we going to do with this? Let's, we'll stick it out in the back field." You, <laughs> you never really know, right? Right.
3: It could be. Right. could be the ultimate barn find. barn find any day now. Any day now.
1: Did you feel when you were researching a story, the more you learned, the more kind of anxious you got to learn more about these vehicles? Anxious?
3: Yes, I would say, yes, so. I would say it's, so. It's, you know... It's, you know there's really room for sort of enjoying that chase of information that can make research so fun. Um, Mm. And it was so neat to see how many people really love these vehicles, that they do have their own fan group. And I'm sure many of the people in this group have never seen one in person, but they do have this enduring appeal.
1: And what were some of the the exhibits and displays that when, the future liner came to town for a for an expo or uh, a parade of progress kind of thing. What what kind of things were was GM trying to show off?
3: Yeah, so a lot of different things. They really had a sort of pervasive presence, or wanted to have a pervasive presence in the American home at the time. Um, so they had two exhibits called Out of the Muddle, where they showed their potential solutions to common traffic problems and had these rotating scientific displays that would show how a landscape could change, um, or mechanical displays, rather. And then they had things about um, power for the air age showing a jet engine, and things about the modern kitchen and how it could free America's Mothers from, quote, domestic domestic drudgery. Um, All these really cool demonstrations. They had soapbox derby displays. Um, They had things about new metals and about heating and cooling, air conditioning, all kinds of innovations that people would not have heard of yet.
1: Yeah, I was just, while we were talking, I was just, uh, uh, you got me... You got me interested in the hunt here. And the first place I went to was Wikipedia, whether you believe what's there or not. And the mm-hmm. out-of-the-city muddle exhibit, um, it, it's sort of interesting because, you know, it, it, again, I don't know how accurate this is, but it's a, you know, it was purchased by Square D. Now, Square D is a company that makes elect, uh, electric fuse boxes, fuse boxes, circuit breaker panels. company owned it until 1960 when an unnamed New Hampshire-based motorsport team Bought it to, to use it as a service vehicle. The team ran number seven until 1964 when it ran out of gas and the team members pushed it under a tree at a nearby scrapyard and left it there. It remained there for 20 years until a New Hampshire-based restaurant operator, Kendrick Robbins, bought it intending to transform it into a salad bar. And then I guess they dismantled it. It was then powered by a gasoline engine instead of the diesel um and then they let it sit for 20 more years in a main based heavy equipment operator uh i guess bought it and as of 2017 uh they learned it sold number 7 to chrome cars in germany the same owner as the number 9 who uh, shipped it to germany so even even that that one has this sort of weird twisted history that everything from it was purchased as a as a kind of a transportation vehicle for race car team to you know somebody who's going to turn it into a salad bar <laughs>
3: yes yeah you could write a whole article about each one um i think chrome cars in germany might have three now and wow. they've, they've done some really cool restorations um but yeah each one kind of shows how our attitudes towards historic trucks have evolved over time too, that it could be just left because it ran out of gas is kind of incredible to think about mm. these days.
1: And and the one that you focused your research on again, which one which one was that? So number
3: ten, because It's been added to the Historical Vehicle Association's um, National Register of Historic Vehicles. It was the first truck added to the National Register, Mm. and um, only the sixth vehicle overall, which is pretty cool. Um, I think to this day, there are just 28 on the register at the moment, so there's a lot of information about it on their website. That's also the one that belongs to the museum in Auburn, Indiana, Um, it's been fully restored. There are cool videos about the restoration.
1: Took a whole crew. Yeah, i i would have to I would have to think that in the process of doing the restoration with this, there had to be so many parts that had to just be uh, just had to be kind of made from uh, made from nothing because you know over time these vehicles, uh, especially where they were purpose built vehicles, uh, all the, all the parts had to be uh, just handmade. Uh, to try to restore these back to their original glory.
3: Absolutely. They had to do a lot of fabricating. Um, I think they say something like, you know, we would find we needed something, and then someone with those skills would show up. It really sort of attracted a lot of people with the right skill sets who were so interested in the project, fortunately. Um, But I think it took a long time and and cost a lot. Even the tires had to be custom made.
1: Mm. Wow
3: and i and I read
1: somewhere um this week when I was kind of reading about the future liners that um at one time i guess one of one of these sold for four or five million dollars right
3: That's right, yes, um I understand that some of the crew who helped restore the um museum's future liner were there when that one crossed the block and had tears in their eyes. <laughs>
1: Well, the idea that something crossed the block for that much money and the same idea that somebody left one out of gas under a tree, um, just is is amazing. Yes, it's quite the
3: juxtaposition, for sure.
1: Yeah. Fascinating. Absolutely. No, it's a a great story, and for people who want to read a little bit more about it, uh, go to... uh, gm-trucks.com, and you can find the story there. So, what's uh, what's on tap for the next story? Are you gonna are you gonna do a little bit more automotive sleuthing, or what's it gonna be? Do you know yet?
3: That's a great question. Um, got a few ideas in the works, and the Merva Brothers have been really nice about letting me kind of dig into things I'm interested in. So, um, we're thinking maybe something to do with the. Um, bison concept. They had a turbine truck concept back in the '60s that never really saw the light of day, but is certainly a cool GM truck fact. Um, and I may even be writing about a Chevy that we had in my family for a long time. Um, so yeah, lots of lots of different things coming down the pipeline.
1: And and something and the idea that you're writing about something a. Uh, uh, Chevrolet that was in your family, I think, just makes you know makes it that much more fun because I'm sure that's going to be you're going to kind of you know unearth some memories a little bit and be able to think about how that car maybe you know influenced your family and you know had you know brought it both you know fun and adventure at the same time. I'm sure that I'm sure that's going to be an interesting story to write if you if you end up writing one of those
3: yeah absolutely I think I think you know I think of cars sometimes as time capsules time time capsules excuse me um, they're so such a picture of a particular time even down to the smell I mean if you climb into a car that your parents or grandparents had when you were a kid, it's the closest thing we have to time travel that I know of um, just a sensory experience that takes you right back so I'm definitely looking forward to digging into that looking through old pictures and finding out maybe more of the technical stuff that I didn't necessarily know when I was just enjoying having this truck in the family as
1: a kid. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. And it's, it's funny how the mind works is when you see a video of something, a lot of times it doesn't do the same thing as when you when you hold a picture in your hand, the kind of tactile feel of holding the photo and looking at it and how your memory changes uh, and you start to remember some of those aspects. And it's the same thing when you, um, you know, when you get into an older car, even if it's one that's a little bit unfamiliar and just older cars have a different smell and a different feel. And mm-hmm. it does bring you right back to a certain time that you remembered that. So yeah, they're kind of a fun thing.
3: Yeah. It's, it's so cool to see too. You know, cars are always kind of cutting edge at the time. The companies are always innovating. And then you see what was innovative at that time. Maybe it quickly became outdated or maybe we're still using whatever technology was developed. But um, it's such an intersection between art and science and really, really interesting.
1: And if you had your way, what would be the car that you would own if, if there was no budget involved?
3: Money, no object <laughs> yes. at all yes. uh, would be a, a BMW 507 for sure. Really? uh uh-huh. well, that's, an,
1: that's an interesting choice, and why, and why that?
3: They're so beautiful. I, yeah, they're, they're so beautiful, um, so incredible. Elvis owned one, which is kind of neat, a little bit of that yep. rock and roll history. Um, but I would take a V8. You know, that was the the modern revival of the 507, and I would be very happy to have one of those. I would settle for a Z8, for sure. Oh, well,
1: okay, okay. And and the the, the idea that that car, um, you know, uh, besides, you know, celebrity-owned and all, but that car, I think, has a style uh, that easily could fit today with, Without any problem, you look back at some cars from, especially the eighties. Um, they just scream nineteen eighties, and they didn't age mm-hmm. particularly well. Um, you know, the the BMW eight hundred and fifty didn't age particularly well. The Ferrari Testarossa didn't age particularly well. But there are some cars that do. Whether it's something like this BMW five hundred and seven, or something as simple as a Volkswagen Beetle. Yes, yes, they have that
3: style. It's, I think it must be the curves. You know,
1: they just translate, yeah. well, translate well from decade yeah. to decade. Yeah, no, it, it's it's when you when you get to talk to designers sometimes, and I don't very often, but you know, in the past, it's it's sort of that it, it's sort of that style that stays current. You know, if it's something like a, again, something it doesn't have to be super expensive. A Fiat one twenty four, you know. Uh, uh, you know, a spider, beautiful looking car. And, um, still today, when you look at one, you go, yeah, yeah that car looks great. Um, unlike sometimes, you know, maybe the first version of the Cadillac CTS, uh, too angular and, and got old looking pretty fast. Um, in my opinion, of course, not everybody's, but my opinion.
3: No, I agree. And then those things kind of come back around with Bradwood and, and things like that. Um, yep. they, they cycle through, but, I, I absolutely agree. It's a lot more identifiable. You can look right at it and just say, like, oh, '80s, '90s yeah. has such yeah. a particular decade look.
1: Yeah, exactly. So if I if I uh, hear of you hitting the lottery, uh, the next five zero seven is is yours, right? That'll be the one, yep. <laughs> That'll be the one. Hey, Natalie, I want to thank you for taking a little time out of your Saturday morning and joining us on the Car Doctor program. And if people want to read more from you or learn more about you, uh, gm-trucks.com is a good way to read that story. And how about the museum publication? That's
3: right. So Upshift, Upshift. can be accessed through LarsAnderson.org. It's a quarterly digital magazine, um, really focusing on New England car culture. So there's history and there's member spotlights, really something for everyone in upshift. Um, and then yeah. if people are interested in other things I'm writing, my Instagram is probably the best place to check that out. I always share things there. It's automotive it girl on Instagram. Um, I have a new blog in the works sort of focusing on that intersection of history and personal stories um so i'll
1: be launching that on instagram there we go so automotive Vit girl on instagram uh upshift through the lars anderson auto museum and we've had which we've had george kennedy on the program a couple of times talking about the publication and how it really truly reads like a real magazine only it's digital which is which is kind of nice too so um I want to congratulate you on this article and all of your, uh, past and future writing. Uh, you, you write a very nice story. And I think people, if they want to learn about the GM Future Liner, um, your story is a great place to start. And then what it does, or at least when I read it, it made me look more and more to find out more of these, you know, quirky, quirky little pieces about these fantastic vehicles that GM built.
3: Yeah, thank you so much. I I do like to think of it as sort of interpreting the car for for other people like me who might be interested in the aspects that I that I appreciate. So that's really go. nice to hear. Thank you.
1: Thank you. All right, all right, Natalie. Thank you, and enjoy the rest of the day. And hopefully, it doesn't snow too much wherever you are.
3: <laughs> My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. All right,
1: all right. Take care, Natalie. Bye bye. That was Natalie Harrington. Uh, you can check out her Instagram, Automotive It Girl, uh, and. Uh, Check out check out what's going on with her. Check out the Lars Anderson Auto Museum and check out the Merver's uh, page, gm truckscom dot uh, com. They've been writing that it is the largest General Motors or GM truck uh, blog in the country. I think it's. Uh, certainly one of the the biggest around and uh, a lot of good stuff in there, a lot of forums, a lot of just general uh, stories that are nice to see. We need to take a break, pay some bills. Our phone lines are wide open if you would like to join us and talk about your car, your car problems, some of these uh, fantastic older vehicles that maybe you remember in your life, maybe the vehicle that got away which is always a great story, maybe you had the chance to buy something and you never did because it was either financial or you didn't have enough room to put it somewhere. Uh, I've, I guess, had both of those issues over time, so uh, you can look about that. And we'll also talk about a survey AAA did about autonomous vehicles. All of that coming up and more. Join us. uh, Stay tuned.
4: If it's local you want, it's local we have. Your local connection, North Shore 1049. Hi, it's Tank Morse. Join me weekday mornings. We'll have local news, entertainment, music to get you going, and lots of laughs. Laugh and learn weekday mornings from six to ten on your local connection, North Shore 1049. Senior Care Inc. is available for
2: elders in nine communities on the North Shore. Hi, I'm Scott Trenty, CEO of Senior Care. Did you know you can hire your family, friends, or neighbors to help care for you? Through our consumer directed program, eligible seniors can employ others to help them. Whoever you choose to work for you can be paid for helping. Reach out to us at seniorcareinc.org or call us at 978 281 1750. That's 978 281 1750. Senior Care is
0: here to help. We make it easy. Hi, this is Brian Kelly from the Kelly Automotive Group. We had our most successful President's Day sale to date. And if we advertise it, we'll have it when you get here. It's easy, it's honest, and it's guaranteed.
5: At Kelly Jeep, you can lease the all-new 2021 Jeep Grand Cherokee Laredo 4x4 for 24 months, which is $39.95 cash or trade-down, plus their normally startup house for only $96 a month during the President's Day event.
0: Go to kellyauto.com for all the easy details. Hey, how's,
5: how's that for making, making
0: it easy? Kelly? Join AAA today and avoid roadside headaches this winter. Don't let a dead battery, frozen car locks, or an unexpected breakdown keep you out in the cold. With a AAA membership, you're protected on the road anytime, in any car, and in any weather. AAA technicians will be there to quickly fix your problem and get you back on the road, often without the need for a tow. Visit AAA.com slash join to sign up. That's AAA.com slash join. Hi, this is Scott Whitney with Wicked Bites north of Boston, which is right here every single Sunday morning at 9 a.m. And we're talking restaurants, and they need your help right now. We're talking takeout, pickup, curbside, you name it. We'll have it this Sunday morning at 9 a.m. right here on North Shore 104.9. And welcome back to the
1: Car Doctor program on... North Shore 104.9. I guess we have a little bit of an echo in our system for some reason. and I don't know why, and I apologize for that. And I don't know. I don't know why. I'm going to have to come up to the studio next week just to be echo-free. Love to have you. Is that okay with you, Biff? Love to have you. All right. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I'll do that next week. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, because by then it's not going to be snowing. so or hopefully not. Well
2: let's, hope not. Yeah. well,
1: let's hope not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, so if you would like to join us, uh, our phone number is 800-370-1049, 800-370-1049 and phone lines are open. AAA came out with a study this week and it was um, about self-driving technology. And I don't know, Beth. are you ready for a self-driving car? I don't think I'm ready
2: for that yet, John. No, no, no,
1: no. I think well, that, that would are, freak me
2: out a little bit. I think
1: you you are in the majority. Um, you know, for we've done this survey for six years in a row, and uh, this is um, you know this is AAA's annual automated vehicle survey, and it we look at how consumers feel about self driving vehicles and. Um, People want more technology in their cars. I kind of want less, but people want more technology in their cars. That's what we've found out. But the idea of having full vehicle automation, uh, we only found that 14% of drivers would trust riding in a vehicle that drives itself. Um, 86% said they would either be afraid to ride in a self-driving vehicle or were unsure about it. Um, they just weren't comfortable at all. Um, we did a um, a local survey just to see if it would be different than the national survey, and it was about the same. We found that less than thirty percent of the people we surveyed would feel safe driving in a self driving uh, car, and two thirds of those surveys said speed of the vehicle would impact their comfort feel. I guess so. If you were taking a, a kind of a little jitney style thing from maybe a train station to a park and ride. Maybe people would be more comfortable because it runs on a lower speed. Um, But the idea of cruising down the highway at 70, 80, 90 miles an hour, whatever autonomous vehicles might do, uh, I think makes people really, really hesitant. But the idea of um, people feeling better about technology and wanting more technology, it it was back in the 60s, you know, if you look at history. You know, Lee Iacocca said safety doesn't sell now in fact it does sell and it sells really well and the technology is a big piece of that and when we look at self-driving vehicles i mean they're still going to be a long ways away i don't care what anybody says the idea of getting into a self-driving vehicle that you can push a button and you know tell it you want to go to phoenix arizona for the winter time and you sort of take a nap to the point of where you start to run out of gas and then it tells you, you know, we have to stop and get gas and you do that a bunch of times and next thing you know, you wake up and you're in Phoenix. Um, That's going to be a long way off before that happens. Now, on the other hand, self-driving vehicles that are kind of encased in a zip code or sort of technology allows this to happen now where things are sort of locked down to a certain area, uh, which is why something as simple as the cable TV commercial that I watch is different than the cable TV commercial that Biff watches because we live in different places and certain commercials get targeted to, they can, they can actually target a commercial to almost a certain street if they wanted to. And you can do that with autonomous vehicle technology. You can say within this 3, 4, 10, 20 block radius, we can have autonomous vehicles that will drive themselves, but you can't go outside of this area. Um, that technology, we may see more of that coming up in a, in the near future. But the idea of being able to push a button and drive a really long distance, uh, that's going to be a long time off. But think about how self-driving vehicles can help people, though. People, as people get older, the fastest growing part of the population is people older than 60. And, um, we need three times as much light to see between the time we're 20 and 60 years old. If you live to be 80, you're going to need four times as much light to see. So driving at night becomes a problem. Wouldn't it be nice if your car can do that for you, and you can still go out and do things at night, and not have to worry about um, light and weather-related issues and things like that? Well, that part, um, that I would, part I would be in
2: favor of 100. percent.
1: That part yeah, I, I, think now, it, now I'm starting now. You're starting to sell me a little bit. A little bit. Uh, and and think about the person that had. You know, one too many drinks while go. they're out having dinner. I mean, certainly not and you, Certainly it.
2: not you or I. But yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And they and they get in their car, and all the car needs to do is know that it wants to go home, and they can bring that person that yes. you know maybe is you know slightly impaired. Get them home safely, totally and, and other people as well. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. the idea, if all of these self-driving cars were on the road at the same time. They, they they would be less likely to have yeah traffic jams and car crashes. Now, hey, hey, uh, always- uh, John, I,
2: I'm sorry to interrupt, yep. but uh, Paul from Braintree is on the line, and he wants to John join the conversation. He has some questions from uh, the Natalie interview. He was very he was oh, okay. very fascinated by that. So let's bring let's bring Paul on. Let's bring Paul on. Well, let's- Hi, John.
5: Hi, good morning. Hey, how are yeah, you? I, good morning. Self- Self-driving cars. My mind just flashed back to uh, Space Odyssey and Odyssey. and HAL two thousand. <laughs> so, uh, if you know the movie, that uh, the ending was uh, they tried to disable the uh, the I guess the uh, automatic system was trying to take over the hmm.
1: the plane. Yeah. Anyway, open the pod door, uh, HAL. Open the pod door. <laughs> open the pod door, HAL.
5: <laughs> I forgot. I um, forgot. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I suppose. I mean, if, when I fly, I, you know, I have to stay awake. I have to. I have to fly the thing. So, I mean, I'm I'm not the best candidate for uh, self driving anything. Uh, just a question. Uh, Natalie's uh, really interesting piece, and I saw that you had a picture on Facebook of the. Uh, what do the? It's a. Is it a bus? I forgot the exact name of it. It,
1: it. Yeah, the future. The future liner is 11 feet tall, and it's 30 almost 35 feet long so it looks sort of like a bus and what's fascinating is the sides of it open up and that's where the displays are so it's everything from and there was this whole series of them and everything from like she said the the one about you know eliminating traffic jams and things like that to um to things that could make your life easier at home uh so they were they were bringing they were kind of really bringing the future to Out to people and showing them how, you know, everything from the latest, you know, General Motors refrigerator and how it would make your life that much better to, you know, all kinds of all kinds of fascinating stuff. So,
5: yeah, I was wondering, uh, old enough to to remember my my dad taking us to the uh, GM uh, GM AutoRama, which was at the old Boston Armory, which is now the Guinness Center. Um, Center. And I. I wonder whether they ever was GM ever brought the future liner to uh, to the uh, GM Auto AutoRama. It seemed like the likely place to put it.
1: I I I don't know that. I would assume that that was probably part of it. Um, but they the idea that one of them ended up, you know, under you know in a in a field somewhere because it ran out of fuel someone was going to turn one of them into a salad bar, I think is pretty interesting. Um, but, yeah, these, these vehicles these vehicles were, um, you know, pretty, pretty fascinating in their own way, but also pretty simple in their own way, too. Because you think about, you know, here comes this kind of bus-looking thing into town. It opens up, and it kind of shows you the future, but in a simple sort of way. Um, you know, here's these, you know, here's what can happen with traffic. Here's what can happen in your, in your kitchen. You know, here's, you know, here's all these varieties of things that, that, um, but, but still I can't imagine that, um, you know, we're so used to now that when we look at, when we look things up on the internet, we, we find more and more and more research. And then, um, you know, once, and it's never ending where this, you sort of looked at it and, uh, you know, you looked at, okay, here's, uh, you know, here's, here's what stereo was going to sound like, or here's a microwave oven, or here's the future of television. And, um, you know, there was, I think there was one, uh, that showed, uh, uh, in 1955, a miniature automobile assembly line, and they called it uh, a car was born, and it was constructed in one of the future liners. So it was it was a lot of weird static displays, and by weird, I mean kind of you know compared to now. But and then mm-hmm. there was the people there that would would explain it and talk about it, and um you know, pretty pretty interesting. I I, I really want to go try to find one somewhere now and see what it looks yeah. like, and yeah. you know, yeah. Uh, and the idea of the two of them are. It, the peter Pan bus has two of them I, they, they must drag one out once in a while
5: I wonder if it went the way of world's fairs I mean uh, i remember going to the 64 65 World's uh um, you know, now I don't know if they still even have those I mean that was the future of uh, the back I guess they started well, a century ago mm-hmm. but um, I think the 38 37 worlds Fair uh they first showed television and super highways and how things are gonna be. But now you right you do that uh, um, on the internet. On the internet. As to the Autorama, the only thing I remember was they had I believe it was Elvis Presley's nineteen fifty six Cadillac. I believe it was a Coupe de Ville. And all I remember is that the piping on the edge of the seats were real pearls inside the piping. Wow. Yeah. I could I see all the image that remains with me and I was a little kid. Probably, you know, Elvis Presley was important and uh, Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. It was a uh, big 56 with pearls in the, in the you know, mm. where the old piping is on the, on the seats. Wow. Well. Well, <clears throat> I guess they were real but I,
1: you know. I'm sure I'm sure they probably were and you know as as an entertainer who was, you know, certainly larger than life, uh the idea that he Yeah, you got Yeah. Um but the idea that he would buy cars for people and you know, do all kinds of crazy stuff, uh, and the idea that you know most of you know most of the cars that he owned were barely driven. Um, so yeah, sort of, sort of interesting. And and again, the the idea that they uh, that uh, the 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 Peter Pan bus one, I guess, um, yeah. was number six. Looking at Wikipedia here, and it says displayed energy and man exhibit. It also displayed the high compression. Uh, power and energy exhibit. The bus, um, uh, again is believed to be restored, and owned by Peter Pan Bus Lines, which, and they have a second one which they use for parts. Um, wow. but yeah, you know, That'd pretty, be, I
5: mean, they're only, yeah. you say Springfield or Worcester? Springfield. I mean, they're not that Springfield, far.
1: Springfield, yeah. Not that far away. I'm gonna have no, to, I'm gonna have to do a little bit of research and find out a little bit more about it and see if they have. Maybe seen. you can on yes. Well, great. Yeah. Always interesting. All right. All right. Thanks, Thank Paul. Thank you very much. All right. Yeah, bye Take bye. care. Bye bye. Yeah, bye-bye. We need to take another break. Our phone number, 800-370-1049, 800-370-1049. Give us a call. Talk about whatever's on your mind in the automotive world today. Love to hear from you. We'll be right back.
2: Have you heard the story of the hot rod race with the Fords and the Was
1: were setting the pace? That story is
2: true. I'm here to say I was driving that Model A. Got a Lincoln Motor and it. it's really souped up. That Model A body makes it look like a pup. It's got eight cylinders and uses them all. Got overdrive, just won't stall. With a four barrel carb and a dual exhaust, with four living gears, you can really get lost. Got safety tubes, but I ain't scared. The brakes are good, tires fair. Nevada's in.
5: Hi folks, this is Gerard Moynihan of Moynihan Lumber, and if you're planning to replace the windows in your home, I have just two words for you. Anderson Windows. Anderson is the most trusted name in windows throughout the United States. See the complete line of Anderson Windows on display at Moynihan Lumber in Beverly, North Reading, and Plastown, New Hampshire, or visit us at MoynihanLumber.com. Moynihan Lumber, we measure up. So you need- you
0: know Michaud Mitsubishi in Danvers is your used car solution? People tell me the most difficult part of the car buying process is deciding where to buy. There are so many choices. Who has the best deals? Is the car in good condition? And can I trust them? It's information overload. Well, we have a solution. Michaud Mitsubishi on 114 in Danvers is the hidden secret on the North Shore. Full transparency, low pressure atmosphere, and people that treat you like family. Simply put, we're different. Our inventory is loaded with incredible options from Acuras to Hondas, Toyotas and Fords. That's right. We don't just carry Mitsubishi. So whether you're a carpenter, a landscaper, a plumber, or a student going to school, we have the used car for you and they all have a warranty. Michaud Mitsubishi in Danvers is your used car solution. Veterans, senior citizens, you get an extra 250 off as a courtesy. It's the truth. Michaud Mitsubishi is different. No shenanigans, just great deals. Visitors on Route 114 in Danvers. Michoauto.com.
4: M-I-C-H-A-U-T.
0: The following message is brought to you by Boston Fence and Vinyl through 1049's Project Local program. Lean Nail and Spa of Beverly is an independent spa at 203 Cabot Street in Beverly, across from A&B Burgers. Lean Nail and Spa welcomes appointments and walk-ins for professional manis and petties with shellac, dip and liquid gels, eyelash extensions, waxing, facials and more. Open weekdays from 10 a.m. to 7 and Saturdays from 9 to 6. Call Lean Mail & Spots a day at 978-524-8850. Gloucester's Azorian Restaurant is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week for inside dining and for takeout. Azorian's restaurant and bar areas are huge, so the capacity limits guarantee that you'll be well-spaced out during your meal. Feel the difference when you dine at Azorian. Call ahead for weekend specials, highlighting the freshest seafood available, flavorful Mediterranean dishes, and more. Reserve your table online or order takeout online. You'll love the Azorian. Details at azorianrestaurant.com. This weather report is brought to you by Northeast Basement Systems. Make your wet, damp, or leaky basement dry with Northeast Basement Systems, the leader in basement technology. Call 877-DRY, the number for you. Good morning, everyone. I'm Mark Grisenthal with you on this Saturday. Here is your North Shore 1049 forecast, serving the North Shore and the Merrimack Valley. Gray skies are in today. There could be a burst of snow breaking out before midday, going over to rain. Temps this afternoon, low in mid-40s, light winds. The rain will end this evening. Followed by partly cloudy overnight, those about freezing. Tomorrow maybe some early sun and clouding up, chance of showers by dark, low 40s. Rain ends Monday morning, partly cloudy and mild during the afternoon near 50. Much colder weather comes in on Tuesday. Forecast being brought to you by Papa Lock Smith of Peabody. Papa Lock makes all kinds of auto keys, including the new push button start key. Even if you lost your keys, they'll get you back on the road. Papa Lock comes to you online at popalockapeabity.com for local North Shore.
5: 1049.
1: I'm Mark And welcome back. Remember, our program is brought to you in part by AAA. Membership pays for itself. Remember, we provide road service 24 hours a day, 7 days a week in any car you're in. So even if you're a passenger, so if you happen to be the passenger in a car and they get a flat tire, run out of gas, whatever the case is, um you're a AAA member, you call one 800 AAA help You get the help that you need. And now we have, uh, you know, Basic Plus and Premier Membership, which is the most enhanced membership that gives you up to one 200-mile tow uh, per membership year, uh, where Plus Membership gives you 100-mile tows. And now we have a new uh, value. You can actually pay for your membership by the month. So, for instance, if you... Wanted AAA Plus membership, and you said, "You know what? I don't want to. I don't want to pay for it all at once. I can pay seven dollars and sixty-seven cents a month, and there's no enrollment fee. That's been waived. So go to aaa.com/slash/join to find out more information. And I want to find out more information from Bill. Bill, good morning, and welcome back to the Car Doctor program.
4: Oh, good morning, John. Thanks for my, taking my call. Good morning, uh, John. My call was just a quick follow-up. On the uh, segment on the future liner. Uh, okay, out in Salt Lake City, that custom builder, Dave custom builder Dave Kindig. Yep, yep, he did two one-hour shows dedicated to the restoration of one of those. To the restoration of one of
1: those. And uh, oh, okay, I saw one of I saw one of them. I didn't see I don't I don't remember seeing both of them, but I did see one of them, and it was yeah. pretty fascinating, especially how they had to piece some things together. That was pretty amazing.
4: Yeah, it was part of it. it, yeah, it uh, part the of it. the front bumper on that vehicle looks like something you'd see on a tugboat. Something you'd see you had to that cast boat. some type of phonetic resin. It was just quite a, process, but, uh, quite a process, but uh, quite a process. I I can only imagine the hours he had into that vehicle. But the hours, the hours perhaps your TV listeners perhaps could show. go to Mototrend Motor TV and probably you know bring those episodes up. You know, bring those they might get a kick out of it.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I'm sure. And and the thing itself looked like it was pretty weird to drive where you sat right in the middle of it and there was no windows in it so you know anything you were seeing was either out of the out of the glass cockpit or you were just seeing it in the side view mirrors um i i don't think i'd want to back this thing up i know that no i i i know his
4: crew had a quite a handful just getting it out of the garage they were doing the the restoration on so uh, the restoration so, uh, yeah quite pretty pretty
1: amazing stuff yeah. yeah hey so thanks for the thanks for the information always always glad to hear from you take care now
4: very very good thank you very much john thank you
1: very good thank you very. all much, right take you. care bye-bye so uh yeah i mean this is you know the idea is some of these cars that were just manufactured during this time were were extraordinarily interesting and the you know, whether it was the GM Futureliner, some of the turbine powered cars, some of the things that, you know, looked like it came right from the space age because of everything from the fins to the way the exhaust looked to the front nose that looked literally like a rocket. Um, some of these cars were pretty interesting. And what is sad in a lot of cases, a lot of these concepts and auto show cars really just ended up going to the scrap pile. And every once in a while when someone finds one, it really is an interesting story and just makes it makes it really a lot of fun. We need to take another break, pay some more bills. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor program. You're listening on North Shore 104.9, 104.9 FM. We'll be right back. Trucking,
2: got my chips cashed in, keep trucking. To do
0: the man together No less in life Just keep trucking on. Join AAA today and avoid roadside headaches this winter. Don't let a dead battery, frozen car locks, or an unexpected breakdown keep you out in the cold. With a AAA membership, you're protected on the road anytime, in any car, and in any weather. AAA technicians will be there to quickly fix your problem and get you back on the road, often without the need for a tow. Visit AAA.com slash join to sign up. That's AAA.com slash join. Hi, this is Brian Kelly from the Kelly Automotive Group. We had our most successful President's Day sale to date. In fact, it was so successful, we have hundreds of fresh Kelly certified trade-ins with low miles and most with one owner. At all Kelly dealerships, we are chock full of pre-owned vehicles with prices starting well below $15,000. And if we advertise it, we'll have it when you get here. It's easy, it's honest, and it's guaranteed. Visit kellyauto.com for all the easy details. Fresh and clean trade-ins with prices starting under $15,000. Hey, how's that for making it easy? Kelly! This winter,
3: cleaning isn't just a chore. It's essential. Between working from home, remote learning, and our busy pets, our homes are getting a lot of wear. Hi, this is Matt Donnelly, owner of The Maids.
1: For over 25 years, we have been New England's choice for healthy home cleaning. Our award-winning teams wear PPE and use only professional equipment and products. Don't expose your home,
3: family, and pets to just anyone with a vacuum and a mop. Safely, have your home cleaned by The Maids. Call 978-276-1276 or online at themaidsma.com.
0: Hi, it's John Haley from Aubuchon Hardware. Join me every Sunday morning at 7 on At Home with John Haley as we tackle your home projects.
1: Welcome back to the Car Doctor program. I well, I was just, uh, I got a couple of emails this morning from some of the columns that I wrote. And uh, one of them was somebody was looking for a handy little used car. And the car they were looking for was a Toyota Matrix. And, um, you know, they were only, they, you know, anyone you look at is going to be 10 or, you know, 10 or 11, 12 years old, I guess now. So... Um, you know, they they said they stumbled across a few couple, uh, couple of uh, Pontiac vibes, and they haven't made Pontiacs in years. Do you think it would be a wise buy? And you know, what was interesting about the vibe and the Toyota Matrix? They were actually made in the same factory um, in California, and I think it's the factory that was making Teslas now. Uh, but uh, the the Matrix and the and the vibe. Both had Toyota engines, both had Toyota transmissions. The uh, Toyota had a Japanese source battery. I think the Pontiac had an AC Delco battery. But they were very, very similar cars, a little bit different. The the rear styling on the Pontiac was a little bit different. And, and you know, would a Vibe be a good choice? Um, yeah, you can get, you know, I looked at sheet metal parts, you know, could you get a fender or a door or something? Yeah, not really a problem. Can you get mechanical parts, starters, alternators? Absolutely easy, easy to get. So, um, even things like catalytic converters, which sometimes as cars get older, they can get harder to find, uh, but not a problem. So I think, you know, buying one wouldn't, would be not really a challenge uh, for owning it. And they are pretty handy little cars. I was reading about the new, Um, General Motors sport utility vehicle built off the Chevrolet Bolt. And apparently when they built it, it has less cargo capacity than the Bolt, which I thought was kind of funny. So the idea of having this small wagon-type vehicle that could, you know, you could carry stuff around in the back of it and, you know, put four people in it and just uh, a nice little vehicle, unlike the new, utility vehicle of whatever it's called that uh, Chevrolet made, which maybe isn't so utilitarian. Uh, someone else wrote to me and said, when it gets cold, I always used to add gas line antifreeze to my gas tank. Winter isn't over yet, and it's not expensive. Should I be adding gas line antifreeze to prevent frozen gas lines? Are there any winter additives that you use? And and years ago, um, we used to see a lot of problems with gas line freeze up. Uh, especially in really cold, cold areas. You know, people would go up to the mountains to go skiing, and their gas lines would freeze up. And a lot of that had to do with gas caps didn't fit as well. Gas stations pumped more water back then because of uh, gas station contamination. And today, you don't get that the same way. And today, a lot of fuel tanks are made out of plastic rather than metal. Um, When the temperature changes, if there's condensation or moisture in the gas, as the metal changes shape or changes temperature, those drops of condensation will literally drop off the top of the tank into the gasoline, work its way into the fuel system, and it could freeze up in the fuel lines. We don't see that as much anymore, Um, so less of a problem. Fuel injection solved a lot of those problems. Fuel lines in a lot of cases are plastic-style fuel lines, so you don't have as much of it. You know, if you left your gas cap off in a rainstorm or a snowstorm, and probably you would notice because the check engine light came on, um, you know, adding a bottle of gasoline antifreeze probably wouldn't hurt at all to do that. Two minutes. So, Two minutes. Um, and there's different kinds of gasoline antifreeze, uh, different types of alcohol that are in them. Uh, some actually mix with the water in the gasoline and then uh, so that combination of alcohol and water gets kind of sucked out through the system as as it's working together. Uh, other kinds, and I think it uses methanol alcohol, but I'm not 100% sure anymore. Uh, but that mixes, the water mix, mixes with the, Gasoline Antifreeze, and then that combination mixes together with the gasoline. So I, I like that kind a little bit better. Um, one of the products is called Heat, H-E-E-T, I think. And uh, it, it, if you think you have a problem, I think that's a, a good product. Um, personally, you know, I don't drive my cars as much as I used to. I'm not commuting 100 miles round trip back and forth to work. So um, I don't use Gasoline Antifreeze, but I do use Gasoline Stabilizer. It helps prevent the gasoline from getting stale. Uh, I I try to when I can. I use the marine grade, the kind of bluish color of stable. Uh, I think it does a better job of eliminating any water issues. So it kind of combines the two ideas together of uh, uh, stabilizer, gasoline, stabilizer, and gasoline interest. Well, that music means that we are out of time for this hour. If, uh, you know, remember to check out Natalie Harrington's uh instagram page uh and also check out gm-trucks.com to find out more information about that article it was a great article coming up uh next uh, real estate revealed with uh uh with the yeah he was on tv listen to him he was on tv has to be smart if he was on tv right so uh so that's coming up next Right here. And until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and thank you to Biff for doing everything he does back at the station. Talk to y'all next week. Bye bye.